Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. everyone, welcome to an emergency edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined by Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. A little depressing watching that intro, knowing we're not going to get any college football this season, uh, at least in the Pac-12. Big Ten made an announcement earlier today, then the Pac-12 followed suit like we thought they would. That means USC football will not happen in 2020. They're going to try for the spring. All of the fall sports actually are going to be postponed. So we're going to talk about all of that on the show. Answer answer any questions that you have. Uh, will there be a transfer palooza? Will a bunch of these guys be transferring out? Or will the whole college football season get canceled? We'll talk about all of that with all of you guys here. If you have any questions or comments in the Facebook or YouTube pages, I will be monitoring the uh, chat room. So I'll try to put some of those up. We're not going to take live phone calls today because we're kind of doing this Last minute, the Pac-12 webinar just ended, so we got to hear from Larry Scott and some of the leadership about what went into the Pac-12 decision to cancel uh, the 2020 full athletic slate uh, of 2020 fall sports, and they won't be able to start the spring sports until after uh, 2021 starts as well. So we'll start with you, uh, Keely. Not a big shock, but uh, you know, sort of thought it would happen. There was a little momentum with the players' movement that we want to play, but I guess that wasn't enough. Yeah, there's a lot of thoughts coming out of today. I think the first one is just it's a sad day. You know, it's sad for the players who uh, trained so hard for this. We saw a lot USC-specific players went to social media to show that they're not waylaid by the pandemic. They're still trying to train and get ready for some season if there will be a season. And, you know, you just think about those players, the coaches, and, and the admins. Everyone has been trying to make this work. But ultimately, like I said in the last show we just did, we're in a pandemic and there's going to be things that you can't do, including college football. So uh, it's a sad day. I'm sure there's I have more, much more thoughts and I'm sure we'll get into that. But it's just a sad day. I think everyone loves college football. No one wants to be in this position. And, and that's where we are today. Yeah, we're not rooting for no college football, no, for sure. No. At least none of us are. I can't speak for anyone else, but we were certainly not. We've been rooting for it the yes. whole time. Uh, Shotgun, any thoughts you have there? Uh, you know, it's disappointing that it's come to this and, you know, not that it was unexpected, unfortunately, because I feel like Keely and I said a long time ago that, you know, it was going to be hard for this to happen in the fall unless, you know, we made some changes as a, as a community, you know, more than just the college community, but, you know, the entire community around in this er these areas going all the way across the nation, but particularly in the Pac-12. And that's one of the issues that, uh, that was mentioned was that, one of the reasons why this decision was made is because there's still, you know, there, there's still hot spots in 
the Pac-12 footprint and it's still the transmission of, of the virus has continued to spread uh, pretty rampantly. Um, so because of that, that was one of the reasons that went into it. Also, um, you know, I saw the German study that was done, you know, that came out a couple weeks ago about the issues that a lot of people that had recovered from COVID-19, you know, some people that had been hospitalized, but other people that had just recovered at home, so not as serious. But this over 70% of, the, of, of these people in a 100 people study um, had were having issues with, with heart changes. And uh, myocarda got carditis is one of those things. And that's, you know, something that has, you know, we found out has been an issue that really was poignant with the commissioners, both in the Big Ten and the, the Pac-12, and why things changed so much maybe from last week when you saw the schedules being released and stuff was, uh, you know, information coming out about how there could be potential heart issues for players and, you know, how, how much, you know, it could be a liability issue, even though the Pac-12, on the Pac-12 call, they said it's more of a responsibility issue that they have to these players rather than worrying about the liability issue. But also, you know, the lawyers are looking at it and there is a liability issue there too. Yeah. We, we feel for all the players and the parrots and everything. Uh, uh, Elsie Eccles sitting here with Hunter. So obviously Hunter Eccles playing on the team and uh, I guess the emojis aren't showing up there, but uh, not super happy, obviously, right now. The uncertainty, I think the word uncertainty was used quite a bit. Uh, in the, I believe in the Big Ten um, conference call, I didn't, I didn't see as much of that, but the, the Pac-12 one during that webinar where it just was all about the uncertainty. And you talked about not knowing the long-term effects. Um, you know, we're seeing just completely different views. What we're hearing from SEC people and some of the ACC people about how they want to go full, you know, full bowl forward. And, and now we're not seeing that in the big, in the Big Ten or the Pac 12. And I think a lot of it has to do, Keely, with the uncertainty. They don't know what the long term effects are. It's just going to, we knew whatever decision was made, it was going to be really, uh, you know, polarizing. We're seeing um, people are commenting how this is terrible. People are commenting like it's about time. It's people are kind of all over the place. But it seemed with the Pac 12, just not knowing the uncertainty of it was enough to put, postpone things. Yeah, and I think the Pac-12 conference call really highlighted that it's a bigger issue than death rates. It's about long-term effects, and we can't know anything about long-term effects right now when we've only had six months of this novel coronavirus. We don't know what's going to happen, and now that we've seen this uptick, like Shotgun said, in myocarditis, where uh, the heart enlarges, we don't know if there's going to be something that pops up in another month. And the last thing that any uh, conference wants on their hands is a, a player who it's really sick or God forbid dies from uh, COVID-19. So it's it's one of those things where it was always going to be bigger than death rate. And I feel like at the beginning of March and in the subsequent months, that's what it came down to. But it's always been more complex, especially, like I said uh, last week, when you're dealing with academic institutions, they're going to try and go with facts, with science. And that's what one of the doctors on the conference call said. They're going to be fact-based. They're going to be science-based. And right now, because there's uncertainty, you just can't go forward knowing that you're not putting players at risk. And that's something as a conference you just can't do. So that's what was highlighted over and over again. And I think that just makes sense from a, a player and person perspective rather than maybe a, a revenue perspective. Yeah. And Shotgun, I mean, the uncertainty factor, we, we get it. But there's a lot of players that really wanted to play, and there's a lot of people making the argument players are actually safer uh, on campus. And we've seen USC the last three weeks have no positive tests. Now, I don't think there's going to be any kind of mandate making the players go away, and they can still do some stuff. You know, they can still do work there. 
maybe it's actually better for the long term of the players who can hang out in, in their pods and do workouts and be on campus, but not necessarily get to the point where I think they were really worried about the football part of this. Like you can work out now and not have, you know, but when you've got full pads and all that stuff, the contact, uh, I think that's where people were worried about more and, and just uncertainty about that too. Look, there, there's an argument about safer on campus versus not on campus. And hey, if they're continuing to follow the protocols they're doing right now, you know, if they're with their teammates, yes, that could be considered safer on campus than if they're at home and doing some different things. Um, it, it can be looked at either way. You know, if you're at home and you're quarantining the entire time because you're not having contact with 100 people on your you know, as teammates, then you're going to be safer there technically. Um, and if you're on campus versus, you know, going out and doing, you know, just going out and living your life uh, as you normally would pre-coronavirus, then yes, that's safer as well. But I, I think that's a, it's, it's dumb to try to compare some of those things because you got to look at it as, you know, is it safer for them to play and compete and travel versus not play and compete and travel? I think that's the comparison that has to be made. I think that's what you're looking at versus, you know, do we send them home? Do we not? I, I, they're not going to send them home. Uh, Larry Scott said that all the players would stay on scholarship, that they would still have access to all the amenities and stuff. Uh, they went ahead and made that statement after the, the Big Ten didn't really say anything about that and left some people kind of, uh, confused and up in the air if that, if that was going to be the case. Ohio State did come and follow and say that they would, would do that for their athletes. The Pac-12 said that no one would be losing their scholarship or anything and that they would be able, be able to continue. Larry Scott also um, later said that that they would be able to continue to do team activities. And he also said, now this, this, this uh, what they announced was they canceled all sports, all competitions through January 1st. So that's not only football, that's your volleyball, that's your soccer but also basketball seasons, you know, your winter sports that, that span across the, the two semesters. So you're going to get no non-conference basketball, at least of what is scheduled right now. Uh, now, what, when he says that teams can do team activities, that tells me that teams like the basketball teams will eventually be able to get on campus and, and be able to do their practices and stuff too. And then maybe once July 1st, I mean, January 1st comes around, and if things are, are safer at that time for the athletes, then you might be able to start into competitions immediately. Maybe you have a month of practice leading up to it where you can go full board and everything. And then January 1st, you know, you're on the basketball court ready to go. I don't know if football, football, the schedule may be a little bit different just depending uh, because of the contact there. Uh, so there's there's some differences with the sports, but you may be able to start immediately on January 1st. And there's going to be some 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 differences in, in opinion on the weather and when you want to start uh, because the Pac-12 does span into the north as well. Uh, but, but besides that, you may be able to start as early as January 1st. Now, how that exactly works out, uh, still to be determined. There's been a lot of pushback from people uh, about the spring, you know, moving football to the spring. We, I think we've talked about the show numerous times. Pete Thamel brought it up a couple months ago, I think in April. And people were like poo-pooing that. Now you're sort of hoping for that, at least in the Big Ten, in the Pac-12. Some of the concerns, and this came up on the webinar, would be um, playing two full seasons in, uh, in one calendar year. I was listening to Colin Coward this morning. He's, you know, if you do a shortened season in the spring that ends in like March and you start up in September, you still got six months off. Like that wouldn't be terrible. You basically are replacing spring football with six, eight football games, whatever it is, whatever they can kind of uh, put together. Or you delay 2021 and that maybe goes into, you know, a little longer into January and then 2022 gets back to normal. But it's at least going to impact 2021 in some aspects. And I, 
Will there be a vaccine by then? We don't know. I think one of the big things, and we've seen this, you know, there's so many different reports, different medical reports. And I'll get your thoughts on this, Keely, and shotgun after. The testing aspect of, you know, I've been tested a bunch of times. It's, you know, it takes a while. The results, you know, you're not getting instantaneous results. If you have this cheap saliva test that everyone can take, and it's really, you know, every, everyone on campus can take it, everyone, and it's not that big of a deal economically, you get the results faster. I think you could at least isolate people and have a better idea of what's going on. And I, so I feel like maybe just better testing, even if we don't have a vaccine, would allow things to open things up in the spring. Yeah, better testing, a better idea of maybe the long-term effects. I know that was asked on the on the conferences. If you're saying it's for player safety and player health, how is putting two seasons in one calendar year for their safety? And so it, it's going to be fluid. I don't think anyone really has answers right now. But I think something we learned through this whole process is that uh, the Pac-12, NCAA, a, a non-flexible kind of unit showed that they can be flexible, they can move dates around, and they kind of have a blueprint of how if you wanted to move things around, you can. Uh, it's just going to come back to where we are at that point in time. Are things going to be much different in December, January, et cetera? Are we going to have a vaccine? We don't know. And I know in June, it looked like we were on a better path, and that's why fall football looked like a possibility. But look where we are now. So I think it's too premature to even speculate at this point, but there's a lot of questions that come with spring football. I mean what's the point of doing spring football if you're going to have a really shortened season and you're not playing any other conferences? There's a lot of question marks. Of course, we want to see some type of football as soon as possible, but I just there's so many unknown variables right now. Yeah. Yeah, and Larry Scott even touched on the, the potential of a shortened season in the spring. Maybe you play six games, maybe you play eight games instead of a 10-game schedule. Uh, part of the thing that's going to come out of spring is money. Uh, you know, the 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 schools want to be able to put the games on TV so they get that revenue from the TV deals. The players also want to play because, especially the older guys, they want an opportunity to showcase their stuff in front of NFL scouts. You look at the last three number one picks, you know, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Joe Burrow, the season before they were drafted, they would not have been anywhere close to the first round. So, you know, guys are going to want the opportunity to play. And that makes me wonder if someone – maybe tries to poach some of these players. You know, you're looking at your Justin Fields, your Trevor Lawrence, these top players who are probably going to skip a spring season, which is still a possibility if, if you know, depending on which conferences uh, go through with, with this decision, um, that maybe someone tries to put up, whether it be the XFL, there's, a, you know, a spring league was another league, uh, or someone just a millionaire that decides to, that they can get a good TV deal, decides that they want to do a six or eight team bubble in somewhere, wherever the place may be, Vegas or whatever, you because we've seen a bubble system can work. And if you start poaching some players, you know, some of these older players from teams, and that gives them their opportunity to play in front of NFL scouts, you know, that is appealing to players because especially if they don't know for if, if there's for certain there's going to be a spring season at all. Um, I'm not as concerned about the possibility of two seasons in one calendar year. I think there's things you can do to adjust it. You know, I think you can cut down a little bit on the preseason practices uh, you know, on both seasons. You, obviously, you're, you're, you're skipping the spring schedule, the spring camp practices, those 15 practices. So you're cutting down about 10 practices of, con uh, of contact there. You know, I think there's some things you can do by, you know, spreading the season out a little bit more. And, and maybe, maybe you don't have a full season next year at the same rate. Maybe, you know, you take away one game or two games at, 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 on that side as well at the 2021 fall season, as well as taking a game or two away from the spring schedule that'll help you out there. But it's not like it doesn't ever happen. 
you see players that play in the XFL to try to get that NFL contract, and then they play a full NFL season too. So, you know, it, it's not impossible. It's not something. It's not something you want to consistently do. You want to give the the body the chance to recover. However, it, it has been done. Yeah, um, you mentioned like some of the other leagues. We haven't heard from the. The Big 12, which if someone cancels next, it would probably be the Big 12. But the ACC and the SEC have been pretty defiant. William uh, from uh, YouTube says, do you think the SEC will play college football and end up getting their games aired? Uh, well, anyone that plays anything is going to get their games aired. So, like, yes, like this is that's pretty much the whole point of doing this is because there's going to be a lot of money be, to be made. And now without the Big 10 and the Pac-12. Man, like if the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 decide, to, you know, they decide to play. That's good. I mean, everyone has to redo their TV contracts now. And Larry Scott was asked about that and all that's up in the air. The Pac-12, you know, networks, they're not going to be show all those live events. All that stuff is gone now because they don't have any live sports. But if you get, if, if one leaks, if the SEC says that we're going to play alone, man, they could just name their price for, for games that they would be putting on TV. How, they've already got a contract though. So if I'm the, the TV organization, I'm saying we've already signed our deal. You're playing, you know, the same amount of games. Now, if you want to give, you know, suddenly you want to play that Mississippi State Vanderbilt game and you want to give it more primetime action, you want to move it to a more desirable thing, maybe then you start to talk about, you know, some changes to the contract. But, you know, if I'm the, the TV organization, I say, hey, we already signed this contract. We want the money, especially with all the uncertainties of the fact that, you know, if there's an outbreak or something, you may start losing games that should have been on TV. Yeah. The uh, ACC actually, just to jump in, Ryan, sorry, right. the ACC just released a statement to saying that they're going to continue on as planned for now and continue to listen to medical advisors. So yeah. you did get one conference to jump in today after Big Ten and Pac-12. Yeah, the ACC, I think their medical advisor was from Duke, and they were saying he was saying that they could do this safely, which is completely different than – and then they were asked about uh, – the, the, the doctor from Oregon State on the webinar was asked about that. Like, yeah, they all talk. Like, they talk every week, but somehow they've come to – different conclusions um there's a lot of questions about and oh, we also have statements from mike bone and clay helton i'll put on the screen here in a little bit i don't know if i'm gonna read them all they're pretty long but um if you guys have any like we can read little parts of them or something but um the eligibility of players is something that's going to come up and we talked about this on the show on sunday shotgun brought, you know brought up what was going on with baseball football is pretty weird where you have 85 guys max on scholarship if everyone's going to retain their scholarship and you're sticking around, what's going to happen? We had a question on Facebook. Uh, what will happen with player eligibility and the allure of early declarations for the NFL? What's going to happen to spring, early spring enrollees that could they be eligible to play right away? There's a lot of questions about how do you classify these players now that you've postponed or canceled one of the seasons and you could have a pileup of scholarships on the, the team. Maybe start with you, Keely. I mean, Shotgun tweeted this out almost immediately. Now that we know that January 1st is like at least the, the start date or the, the earliest they could start, what happens to early enrollees? What happens to guys who you are planning on getting on the, the roster? What do you do with your seniors that were supposed to graduate? Is there going to be a bigger cap for uh, the rosters? It's going to be really interesting, and, and that's where you need guidance from a bigger body from the NCAA, and that's something – if the last six months have shown that we haven't seen at all. So it's going to be really interesting to see what goes on going forward is NCAA and the, the board of governors are going to have to weigh in on eligibility. And right now I don't know where, where, where they're going to side. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. I think that's something that Larry Scott mentioned is that he hopes the NCAA 
makes a quick judgment on eligibility. That's something they're waiting. And you can go back to the Ivy League and the fact that they, you know, they uh, canceled their fall season, what, like 40-something days ago, or maybe it was 34 days ago. Um, mm -hmm. And they've, you know, they've heard nothing from the NCAA about what it's going to be. And we did see the, the NCAA has set the precedent that with the spring athletes, if they lose their season, they gave them back that that eligible that, that year of eligibility. So if there isn't a spring schedule, and I think that's what it comes down to. I don't think that you're going to you know cut off people if you still have a spring schedule. You're not going to get an extra year of eligibility or anything there. The question then becomes: Normally, there's a lot of seniors that graduate at the end of December, and you kind of push them off your scholarship books. As a, as a program to then bring in your early enrollees and stuff. Now that becomes a question of, you know, who's allowed to stay? Do you take some, you know, some pottery classes and some ballroom dancing, Matt Liner style, to, to be able to stay eligible for that portion? Um, or do you start working on a, a second or third degree if you can? Um, but with the early enrollees, are they allowed to come in? Maybe the NCAA makes a ruling and says, hey, we're just not going to allow – you know, we're going to allow the early enrollees to be eligible to practice and play because if they do, that changes a lot of things for USC, particularly at the quarterback position. You got two, you know, four or five star uh, quarterbacks coming in to add to that depth. And that's one of the biggest issues on this roster right now for USC. So if you have a spring semester, that one little tidbit could work out better for USC if there are early enrollees and Miller Moss and Jake Garcia are both added to the to the roster to give you some more depth at that position. Yeah. Uh, we're getting a lot of duck dynasty comments, by the way, shotgun. I'm looking at the, uh, so <laughs> yep. there's some people that haven't seen. I did not think yet. of that when wearing the my camera, camera my digital camo. Yeah. They were like duck dynasty meets tunnel vision, I think. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So we're, there's a lot of, you know, Larry Scott, you know, so there's a lot of things that they, they're the smart people working on this stuff. They're going to, they need the NCAA to step in and kind of make some declarations of how these things are going to work. Uh, we will see what happens with the other conferences. I don't think they're going to make any kind of rash decisions. I think they're going to, we might be in a couple weeks of, we have no football in half of the, the power, you know, in the power five and we have football in the other half. So we'll see what happens and transpires. Uh, oh, Kelly, were you going to say something? I was, I was just going to say, now the interesting thing is, is when you don't have unity in the power five, do we see a mass exodus? Because if you have, I mean, Sankey just came out with a statement for the SEC that said essentially the same thing as the ACC. If you have certain conferences kind of playing with the idea of, of going forward with fall, do you see a max ex exodus of players from the Pac-12 and Big Ten hitting the transfer portal, trying to get into some type of conference that will let them play in fall, or at least it seems like it, they will play in fall right now. So it'll be interesting to see if there's patience where the if players are advised to wait um i think the interesting quote that came out of the conference was have at it when asked about that that was uh ray anderson the athletic director from arizona state and raider trojan i was i was queuing this one up next anyway so like do you think a lot of players will transfer thanks for that question that was good definitely gonna be something that came up he was asked about that and it was sort of like you know hey we're the pac-12 we're blah. i mean it was just like almost this like it was almost like an SEC attitude, like, oh, come on, you know, come come after you. I'm like, I don't think you want to be saying stuff like that. I think, you know, there was it was a little it was a little strange. I get it. It wasn't it was like, I don't know. It's you don't want to do tempting fate. There's a lot of players that are eligible <laughs> to play somewhere else. And just having like a three week gap between the SEC canceling their season and the Pac twelve, that could be enough to a bunch of guys transfer out. Mm -hmm. And and my PR ears just like lit up when he said have at it because I was like, oh, I don't know if you really want to say a, such a clippable bite like that. 
But, you know, he came from the standpoint of we're the Pac-12. We're trying to make the best decision, and we believe we have for our student-athletes. And if individuals feel like that's not okay, like, have at it. But, but it was just a very bold statement to come from the Pac-12. Yeah. He, he did preface it by saying that we think we've shown that we have the care of the student-athletes in mind first. And we think they'll understand that. That's where he was trying to come at it. Yeah. But then when he had that one clip, that's what's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. that's what's going to lead yeah. the, the the highlight clip there. Um, but the question, though, with the transfers, the NCAA can make this really simple and just tell people, hey, you're not going to be eligible immediately. If you transfer in three weeks later, you know, there's still this whole thing where you're supposed to sit out a season. So if yeah. the NCAA just says, no, you're not going to be eligible, then no, everyone's not going to transfer and because they're not going to risk the, the potential of being able to play in the spring and giving up a year to just wait around till next fall anyways. So it, I think the NCAA, that's why they have to say something. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why Pat, uh, that Larry Scott was mentioning that they hope to get some uh, clarity on some eligibility issues from the Pac-12 soon. He was referencing playing in the spring or not being able to play in the spring, getting that extra year. But I'm sure he was also thinking, well, I would think most commissioners would think. I don't know about Larry Scott. That's always a question. Oh, I think I think Shaka was alluding to. We we might have lost him for a second. Uh, Larry Scott cut in and was like, "Nope, no Shaka." Usually it's Keely Internet. Oh, there he is. Uh, I believe he was going to say, "We're not going to allow transfers or something." At this point, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So kind of knew where you're going on that one, but yeah, we had, so we had a little there. a little COVID freeze. Um, they were doing all right. Uh, Mike Bone, the athletic director, uh, issued a statement. And uh, so he said it was the hardest message he ever had to deliver uh, in his 35 years. So it's, uh, he said, during our last, the last several months, our coaches and staff worked tirelessly to develop and implement uh, comprehensive policies and protocols to ensure the health and safety of the many student athletes welcome back in our phased return to campus plan. These protocols were communicated regularly through team meetings, uh, informational webinars, step-by-step videos, infographics, and emails. I'm aware of our student-athletes' discipline and dedication to adhering to all of our guidelines and a profound commitment to themselves, their teammates, and their shared desire to compete. We are indebted to the campus partners, operations staff, and medical team for their leadership and partnership. Um, So, you know, go on to say that he was listening to the Pac-12 Advisory Committee. They agree with what the finding is, you know, uh, we'll do now what we did in March, focus our attention forward to get back to working on addressing the challenges that await us in the weeks ahead. So uh, a lot of ambiguity, but we fight on as one. So that was uh, Mike Bones' uh, statement out there. I don't know if you guys had a chance. Oh, we got Keely in the Matrix. Uh, oh, no. got, maybe I should put the statement back up. Maybe Shotgun, <laughs> your thoughts on uh, what Mike Bone had to say. Oh, she's back. Um, I thought the interesting thing was that, you know, saying, hey, we want to coach, we want to play, uh, we're going to be looking forward to, to being able to do that at the first opportunity available, basically. Yeah. And I think we have to give credit again to Mike Bone and company for how well they've handled the situation. As you remember, he came in in November, didn't really have a chance to uh, put in his staff immediately, and then you have coronavirus come up. And I think they've done a good job as evidenced by the fact that they haven't really had a, a new positive case that was on their campus in the last three weeks. So, I mean, this could have been much worse. We've known USC in their history for uh, drama. So the fact that they've handled this well, I think we should get them proper credit. I get, we mentioned this on television Sunday night. I can't imagine what the old administration, what would have been happening with the old administration. So it's, it's good. I think they've shown good leadership. I think they took care of their own business. Like they made sure 
that the USC players were safe. There wasn't going to be a data point like, see, USC's players are getting sick all over the place. They, you know, last almost month, they've just kept everybody safe. They did their part. You know, they did what they needed to do. Um, so all this was going on at once. We decided to do tunnel vision at the last second. We knew there was going to be a 1.30 p.m. Pre, uh, Pacific time press conference webinar from the Pac-12. The news broke maybe like 45 minutes before that. We were putting out the stories and everything. I rushed over to the office kind of to watch the webinar, set this up for an hour after the webinar was supposed to start. During the webinar, Mike Bone make, issues a statement. And Clay Helton did. I haven't read it yet. I don't even know. Dude, have you guys read the Clay Helton statement yet? Like, I don't even know what's in here. Uh, yeah. Briefly. Um, the, the, the main phrase that stood out to me there is, is towards the bottom of the screen is we will always support decisions that are made to protect the health and safety of our players and staff. Um, you know, pr pretty much the rest of it is just, you know, we're going to follow suit with what's going on. Uh, but that they're, you know, that they're happy with the decision, I guess, you know, not happy with the decision, but they agree with what the decision was made. So they're going to continue to, to work and try to get better as, and take the, make the most of this situation. Yeah. And I think as expected, the Pac-12 was unanimous where the Big the Big Ten was not. I mean, we might see – and look, we all love college football. There's a lot of drama when you cover college football. There's not going to be a lot of drama in the Pac-12. They're just going to – you know, whatever. They're not doing as much. But there could be some Big Ten drama. And there obviously could be SEC drama and ACC if they end up playing and the other teams don't. What if Nebraska breaks out on their own? They were like, nope, this is a bad idea. We don't want to do this. We're gonna look at other things like that. That's what I'm here for. I think that's gonna be that's gonna be crazy. <laughs> Ryan's here for the drama. This is yes. uh, his uh, version of Real Housewives. <laughs> real <laughs> real college football yeah. uh, ads. Yeah, but um, when you heard the Pac-12, they were sort of like you know we're they're they're very proud of their like standards, their morals and stuff, and they actually compared the Big Ten like they're similar standards to a lot of their universities. But they did mention, hey, we were unanimous, you know, and like, the Big Ten yeah. wasn't. I, yeah, I, 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 go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to note that while we were doing this, I was scrolling through tweets really quickly, and apparently Nebraska is already in talks with the SEC. So you might get your maximum chaos, Ryan. Yeah, that would be that'd be cool. But I think the Big Twelve would make more sense because they only have nine teams. They could use that. I mean, if they had eleven, that would be perfect, right? You have a ten-game schedule. You mean a former Big Twelve program going back to the Big Twelve in Nebraska? Yes. The, the, the big question there would be contract. There's going to be so much with contracts and stuff and getting out. I don't think that's going to be able to happen. I was going to say that Coley did bring this up. He said, you know, Nebraska's alluded to find a way to play. What are your guys' thoughts on that? And, you know, is there a Pac-12 rebel? And that was kind of the thing that, you know, the in the Pac-12 call webinar saying, no, we were unanimous in this decision, went about it. So, no, USC's not going to break off and go to the Big 12 or anything. I know that's been thrown around on the P and a couple other things, but I don't foresee that happening at all. You know, there's there's so much legality issues there as well that is not talked about. But then if you if if it was just for one year and everybody was like, yeah, cool, go do what you want to, the schedule's already been made. Are you then making a whole new schedule for teams? Like, are, are you if you're Nebraska, are you then trying to find just whoever's within 100 miles or 500 miles or – you know, I, there's a lot of question marks to that. And hey, there's a lot of question marks on everything today. I think, you know, we, we got two answers that the Big Ten's not going to play, the Pac 12's not going to play. But there's a lot more questions that came from that, from those two answers than, you know, than I think were, that we had to begin with. You know, starting with the eligibility issue, starting with a transfer. There's just so many questions that come out of this. And the problem, again, goes back to the leadership. 
there's no NCAA commissioner, there's no czar, and the fact that no one is overseeing it to say, hey, this is what we need to do as a unified organization makes it that much more – just presents so many more questions that are that get thrown out there, including this one. Well, what if a team just wants to break off and go somewhere else? I, I don't see it happening. And I think you have to point to the unity of the Pac-12. I think that is because of how similar those governing those uh, states in the Pac-12 are as far as local and state authorities. Um, they're pretty much on the same page as far as what to do with coronavirus, whereas in other conferences, it's kind of all over the place with masks, no masks, et cetera. And so even say USC wanted to break out and go somewhere else, a different conference, they're still bound by uh, LA County rules about practicing. It's not really a, a Pac-12 thing. And that's what was stressed on the conferences, uh, conference call as well, was that they're still bound by ultimately local and state officials at the end of the day. The Pac-12 can say, go roam free and play 92 games, but they still can't practice, you know, in, in LA County. So it, it's definitely a more complicated situation than just at the conference level. Yeah. I think if like Arizona state or Arizona or like Utah, they could potentially break off. Cause I think they're, you know, they, their governments are allowing more to happen than what we're seeing in California. Like they, you still can't lift a weight indoors at USC. You can't still can't throw a football around. And the weirdest thing was, I saw the Wake Forest, uh, vid the Wake Forest football team tweeted out a video, and like the president of the university, like is addressing the players. They're at practice, like the captains of the team are speaking with masks on, full pads, helmets. Like they're in a full on, like real football practice with the whole team out there. And I'm just like, USC is like miles away from it. Like there's nowhere, nowhere near that. Like that's where you sort of get like, there's no. It's going to be really hard to catch up to that. Uh, than what you're seeing there. And so I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw that video, but that was just weird to see. There's one team out there like full on practicing and USC can't even like use the weight room inside. Yeah. I didn't do the video, but you know, I do give credit to the USC for, you know, finding ways to, to, to adapt to the situation. You know, the, the fact that they're doing workouts and you know, laying on the ground instead of having benches and stuff out and, you know, changing the workouts so that they can do stuff outside and doing different, you know, bringing out different equipment that you may have not been using in the weight room. So I give them credit for, you know, being flexible, being malleable with the situation. But it, it, it just speaks to how different things are in different parts of the country and even different parts of these conference landscapes, that, which is why you need someone over the top of the entire thing to, to, to have a consensus happen. Instead, that's why you get these broken parts. And, you know, that's why you're, you're is seeing that some conferences are not going uh, going along with this, and then other conferences are stringing it out. Now, I should point out, and we should point out that the Big Ten schedule, for whatever reason, last week when they announced the schedule, was for three weeks earlier than anyone else. So yeah, they were so they're, they're less than a month away from when they were supposed to start playing. So the SEC was supposed to start September, I think, it's twenty sixth. So that gives them a couple extra weeks to, to sit on this, and maybe they make this decision in a couple weeks as well. Um, but that, they have a little bit more time to be able to do that. And that's one of the things that you know, some of the conferences were complaining about is, why don't, we, why don't you just string it out a little bit longer and you know, push things back to this date that the SEC is at? And you know, that's something that the SEC, I mean, the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 decided that even if we try to push it back a couple weeks, we don't think things are going to change enough. And also just pointing out that they would like to get more research about particularly about these heart issues and the effect of them. Because I know a lot of people talk about death versus they're fine and they can play. 
there's a lot of things in between, and there's a lot of things unknown about that. But also, if you look, Michael Ojo was a, a Florida State basketball player. He was playing overseas. He had COVID earlier, and he just died of a heart attack at 26 years old. So these are the type of things that are scary situations for the people that are making these decisions. So it, and I think that one actually, that situation reinforced. Um, and now I don't know if those are directly linked, but he had a, you know, what we reported was he died of a heart attack earlier this week, but he had COVID earlier, um, you know, in the, the early point portions of the quarantine and lockdown and stuff. So if, if there's, you see those type of real life examples and that puts a real fear in your administrators and your presidents that are looking at these type of situations. Yeah. One thing I don't know if you guys noticed on the call because uh, the Pac-12 people were asked about, you know, the Big Ten, the Big Ten meeting had finished and the announcement came out while their meeting was going on, and uh, they're, you know, they were like they they're making their own decisions, but at the end of it, I think I forget who said it. Uh, the comment was something like, "Yeah, I'm glad, you know, at the end of the, like it didn't matter really what the Big Ten was doing, but I'm glad they followed us." Or so, it was something along those lines. Where did you get that? It was it made it feel I like. Yeah, it was like they like or they, you know, went along with us or something like that, where it was like, no, you pretty much followed whatever the Big Ten did. So that was whichever was tweeting anyway. I thought it would have been a mistake if the Big Ten did pause and there were some thoughts that they were going to, you know, some because of the players movement. I don't think the Pac-12 is strong enough that they could have gone first. I think the Big Ten can. I don't I thought the Pac-12, there's no reason their season starts three season, three weeks after the Big Ten. Don't announce something today if the Big Ten is not going to. And I, I just felt like it could have really been devastating for the Pac-12. And it didn't happen that way. Once the Big Ten did it, it's sort of like a shield. Like, you, it'll be okay for the Pac-12, or at least somewhat okay. But to, if the Pac-12 was the only school that was opting out, I think that would that could have been really devastating. Yeah, I mean, I've always said that it, it to me, it seemed like the Pac-12 was waiting for someone else to go and then they could follow in. I think the Pac-12 is very brand conscious in that sense where they know that they're kind of like the little little brothers and they didn't want to be the first one to opt out and, and appear as quote unquote weak uh, to do so. But so I always thought it was going to be Big Ten, Pac-12, and, and that's what we saw today. There must have been so, a sigh of relief shotgun in that room when like they're like in this meeting. Like, they're like, like, yes! <laughs> They definitely did not uh, frame it that way in the Pac-12 media call. Uh, in the webinar, the Oregon president in particular, Michael Schill, who was on the call, said, we view ourselves perhaps the most progressive of the conferences. We yes. think ahead. We care deeply about the student experience, about student welfare. We'll always put that number one. And, he, and then he went on to say, he's like, oh, well, probably the biggest disagreement. He's like, we were unanimous. Probably the biggest disagreement was over wording, over a the or an uh. And I was like, that, that was the disagreement. That's interesting. Which that makes you, if that was true, and the way they framed it is, then they didn't care. That's, that is what they said. They said they didn't care. That framing makes it sound like they were going to make this decision regardless. But I think it definitely eases the burden on them, uh, at least from the national perspective, that the, the Big Ten did it at a similar time. Now, whether they were concerned about what, what the Big Ten, who knows. The, the meetings were actually going on at the same time. Um, but I think it eases the burden to not be the only one sitting out there right now. Even if the Big Ten were to make the same decision tomorrow, I think the burden on them today would have been uh, maybe a little bit too much for a commissioner like Larry Scott. Yeah. Put your PR hat on again, Keely. How many uhs do you want in your press com your press releases? Like, it's like a the or an uh. I'm like, an yeah, no, uh? I was like, what is that? What, why would you say that? 
I was like, how do you debate about those articles? But I, I think it was just, he was just speaking. He was just yeah. speaking. Yeah, it was like just flowing out and just, did, but it didn't, didn't make a ton of sense, but that's okay. Yeah. The other thing, and someone tweeted out at me. So I'm sitting on my couch and like, uh, you know, obviously you're getting ready for the news. You see, I think it was, it might've been Thamel, the first one that tweeted the big 10 one. And then you're like, okay, so the day started. Like, here we go. Boom. <laughs> uh, we're ready to go. And luckily, I mean, I have like a streaming service. I'm on Hulu Live. Flip over to the Big Ten Network. I watch some ESPN. I watch some Big Ten Network. You can watch that pretty easily. I don't have the Pac-12 Network on that. I can't watch it. I I get it with Sling if I need it for the season, but I'm not going to need it now. Um, so flip it over there. But they're live coverage, like boom, right away. And then I have people tweeting me like the Pac-12 is showing like 2018 Oregon State games right now instead of any kind of live thing. They did this webinar like that was, but no, like, why aren't you having like Yogi and Ashley, like, why aren't they on there just talking about this? Like, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just, you're going to go like months without live programming. This is, people will watch this right now and they weren't doing it. Yeah. It, it's so dumb. Their, their, their decision-making just doesn't make sense to me. No. I mean, they're playing the same games over and over from last year. They have all these quality Pac-12 games from the past. Like, you flip on the ACC network or the SEC, and it's like, oh, a 1987 game between Auburn and, you know, LSU. And you go, oh, you see somebody in the backfield that you recognize. Like, oh, well, Bo Jackson's playing this game. That was a little bit earlier than 87. But you see Bo Jackson playing. Like, hey, maybe I'll watch this game. If you put a John Elway Stanford game on, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to watch this game. Let me see John Elway in, in college. But, no, it's just the same games from last year over and over and over. And you have seven networks or whatever it is. Like, you have so much content that you could be putting out there and you're just playing the same things over and over. And it, and then that goes back to the live stuff as well. Like there's so – when breaking stuff like this happens, it, it's not that hard to patch in that webinar onto TV. Hey, yeah. It may not look great. People aren't going to care about how it looks. I mean, they're going to say stuff about it still, but they're not going to care as much as they want that live content and, and seeing what's happening with their conference that they choose to watch and support. And instead, the Pac-12 Network doesn't care about their fans. Yeah. They did stream it, the webinar on the Pac-12 Network, I believe. It was on, I think, on the website. I don't, I don't know it if it was on the network itself. I, yeah, there was on I Periscope didn't see it and stuff. Through. Okay, because I think that's what Ashley Adamson said at the start of it. But but when they were when all stuff was breaking, like the Big Ten, I'm like on the schedule, it shows like you know classic Penn State football games, but there wasn't that. It was like the studio show, like they were ready to go, like. That's what well, you got to do. Like, it, you know, it uh, doesn't make it sense. It just points to the overall organization issues and their choice to the programming issues that they're not built out to have a breaking news team and to have a, a show ready to go. I mean, it just shows you the issues that are bigger than just today. Yeah. And like, and, you know, Shotgun pointed out, I mean, you got that, you want that capability. That's what people want to watch. Yeah. But if you're going to show old games, like it's like, it's almost like they just had a list. Like here's the games from last year. Uh, this one, Oregon State, Washington State, like some inconsequential game that was like shortened by a, a lightning storm. Like, doesn't matter. Like, oh, well, that's the next one up. Not like, hey, this was a really exciting baseball game that determined blah, blah, blah. Like, it doesn't even seem they care about that stuff. It's just more about, well, we have to show these games. And here, like, no one like that knows sports is like, what would people want to watch? Like, they don't care about this game. There's going to be exciting soccer games or women's basketball games, but you got to pick the right ones. I don't even think they're doing that. 
Yeah. Well, when you're competing with the heavyweights of ESPN and the likes of those, you have to find out what's your advantage, what's your corner that you can take. And they're the conference's network, and they're not exploiting those advantages that they inherently have. So yeah. it's just a, a overall issue. Plus, there should be football on, like, all the freaking time because it's football, you know. With the, that's what we're going <laughs> about. Um, this comes up a lot. I don't want to spend a lot of time wait, on wait, it. Just, real quick, oh, Ryan, sure. before you get to that, I like college baseball, but, like, I don't have no – real inclination, but I like watched a, uh, an, I think a 2000 or 1998 Florida state game because Buster Posey was playing in it and he had just ridiculous numbers and they're playing Wichita state. And it was his last game at home. I was like, Oh, Buster Posey and Doris Burke's on the call. I was like, this is great. I want to watch this. I don't I have no clue what's going to happen in this game. <laughs> That's the closest thing. And I hate, I will say, I hate when they tell me the result in the, uh, in the description. Oh, I, don't yeah. know the game. I don't want to know what the result is. I mean, maybe tell me something dramatic may happen in the game, but I, I don't want the result because that's like a live sporting event to me just because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, good point. Uh, with, so a lot of stuff about Clay Helton and the contract and everything, and this came up on the Peristyle. Um, okay, so I was told by people at USC, the, the way those contracts work pretty much across college football is it's a year-by-year -year thing. So if no season happens, it doesn't like you, it rolls over another year. Like that Clayton was paid in 2020. Even though there's not going to be a football season, he's paid to be the head football coach. It's if you're looking at the length of his contract, it's one year off of his contract. So there's no uh, issues with something like that. It's not like he gets an extra year added because he still was paid. So I just that that's come up a bunch. I just wanted to kind of address that. Yeah, the the contracts are built on years, not on seasons. Yeah, I think that's uh, a pretty simple way to put it. That you know the the contract runs through twenty twenty four or whatever, rather than it runs through four seasons. Right. Um, the uh, we also had a Facebook uh, comment. Don't forget they also pushed basketball too. March Madness is done for twenty one as well. Uh, well, we don't know. We we just know not, that they're not, not necessarily. Gonna be able to, yeah, I mean at least in the Pac twelve, like the Pac twelve is not going to be able to play non conference basketball games at least in twenty twenty. Uh, basketball is going to be more complicated. You know, the, cutting the end of the season is easy. Cutting the beginning for some teams might be harder because then, like, say the Pac-12 doesn't play non-conference games, but the SEC does and the ACC and, and most other people do, you're only basing, like, the tournament committee's picking on just the conference schedule. I don't, yeah, I don't know how that will work, but that's, and, and the Big Ten didn't make that announcement. I think the Big Ten's was only for football, if and, I recall. You'll have similar things as if you if the schedule were to play out, if all the conferences had decided to play in the fall, okay, well, who goes to playoff? How do we know who the best four teams are if they've only played in their conference? Um, I think you'll have the same thing with college basketball. Now, there is the possibility that they move the schedule some uh, if, if it ends up more conferences do this rather than just the Pac-12. Uh, now, this could hurt the Pac-12 if they're the only ones to do this. But, you know, the Pac-12 was going to 20 – um, was going to 20 games anyways. So they're going to have to reschedule a couple of games that were going to be played this fall um, before the before the calendar year changes over. So they're going to have to do some things there. But if everyone, if all five conferences ends up having to do something similar, they could push the season towards, it could be May Madness instead of March Madness. You could just flip the, you know, flip the schedule over. You could potentially keep the conference games where they are and then play non-conference after. You could do some, some wild things, but there's no limit that the college basketball season has to stay at the dates it is, you know, if, if something like this has happened, which we're obviously seeing with football and the potential of moving to the spring. 
um, because baseball goes all the way into June. So it's not like you have to finish before your school is out or anything like that. That's not an actual requirement uh, of the NCAA. Um, we had another topic that's going to come up. Uh, good question here from Adrian. Uh, who are the players expected to leave for the NFL now that the season is canceled? Um, that's going to be, you know, a big thing. So the guys like Trevor Lawrence or, you know, ACC is not canceled yet. He's around. Uh, Justin Fields, probably a top three pick in the NFL draft. Like he's going to be gone. So that you know, Ohio State's not going to have an opportunity most likely uh, to go with him. For USC, the the name that comes, you know, right off the bat is, is Amon Ross St. Brown. But I mean, talk about him. Uh, maybe start with you, Keely. Any other names that you can think of? And then we'll get Shotgun's thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the biggest one, like you said, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, and then probably J.T. Fele. Uh, Elijah Tucker is an interesting one just because he, uh, you know, had time at guard, was going to kick out to left tackle, and that probably could have helped his his uh, prospects. So it's interesting because he definitely needed time. You know, this is a class right now, a draft-eligible class, where you mainly look at Alonzo St. Brown, um, but I'll kick it over to Shotgun right now. This is going to come down to, you know, those guys that got grades last year, you know, they, they take out, they look at it and say, okay, well, who from my position went last year in front of me? You know, then do how far do I kind of bump up on that that totem pole potentially? Because all those guys, Amon Ross St. Brown's the only one that doesn't really have something to prove. Amon Ross St. Brown has so much tape already from, you know, being basically a day one starter. Whereas Jay Tefele has some really good tape, but he still needs to show some things. Elijah Vera Tucker, like Keely said, can definitely boost his stock if he can show he's a left tackle versus just a guard. Um, so while he has some good tape already, if he you know just wants to be looked at as a guard, then I think that, that he could potentially enter really quickly. Talano Hufunga, I think there's a lot of question marks with his ability to stay healthy, so that might be one. He doesn't have a ton of tape just because of his injuries and stuff. So I think there's a lot of guys on USC's team where it's going to be interesting. And I'm actually going to do an article after this about the, the people that are going to have the toughest decisions going forward uh, because there's some deficiencies in our games or just they don't have enough tape for NFL scouts to be excited about uh, and be sure about it. And that's going to be a big thing across the country. And I think depending on how many other players go out, that might actually lead to determining if, if you still have a, a bunch of guys that are going to play, then you might say, hey, I need to play too so that I can show I'm better than that guy or whatever it may be. But uh, depending on how much tape you already have and, and how much you've already shown, what deficiencies you have that you want to – show to those scouts, those are the guys that are going to have those tough decisions. Those guys that you already have lined up for the top 15 picks, they're going to, th those are guys that are already, had already opted out. The guys like, you know, at, um, at Michigan State and, you know, Virginia Tech and stuff like that, it, you're going to see anybody who's probably at, thought they were going to be a first rounder, they're probably going to sit out. But guys that are questionable, that especially guys that could be a first rounder to a fourth rounder, there's just so much money difference between first and fourth round that you might want to play and show yourself even if maybe you play for half a season in the spring or maybe yeah. you do something. There's a bunch of different ways this could play out. And, again, there's so many questions to remain to be asked uh, or to be answered, including does the NFL draft move if all the conferences yep. or does the NFL draft say we don't give a, we don't give a crap. Yeah. We're going to stay here. <laughs> um, so we're going to be in April. You guys do what you want to do. But, you know, and th there's a lot of things there. And whether or not you feel like you've been scouted accurately – to whether or not uh, players will continue to play or to opt out. We're seeing yeah. similar things in high school with the extended dead period where there's, 
you know, college athletes, I mean, uh, high school athletes that yeah. just aren't going to be able to show their, you know, show what they're do, able to do and maybe get a better offer. If they have a FCS offer, could they get an FBS offer? If they had a group of five offer, could they got a power five offer? Uh, CJ Stroud, I think was an example. Um, it might've been Greg Biggins gave that where, you know, he was committed to Baylor uh, and then blows up at the opening, has a great senior, you know, and then, and then he becomes an Ohio state guy. So that would have been a benefit for Baylor. You get a guy that's, you know, we saw as one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year, but him being able to play that final season and being able to go through the opening and all that kind of stuff allowed him to to kind of upgrade his offer. That's going to be tough. And anyone that wants to get upgraded, you're shocking already mentioned the last three number one picks would certainly not have been number one picks if they didn't have their senior season. So it's going to change a lot. But the NFL is like this rolling machine that's like nothing's going to stop it. So... If they move something, it's not going to be for the benefit of the college players. It's going to be because their GMs and stuff want, like, well, we want to see what happens in the spring or blah, blah, blah. That's, that'd be the only reason they would move it, I think. Yeah, you guys like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, who've got plenty of tape uh, that I think they're the ones. Panay Sewell, he's not going to play in the spring. Um, but oh, yeah. you guys that want to prove something, and C.J. Stroud's a great example. Another example of this season, Jake Garcia. You know, rather than just going ahead and being an early enrollee because the potential of there not being spring uh, sports uh, or there not being fall sports in California, potentially making that move to Georgia, you know, he, he feels like he needs more reps. And that's the thing is the guys that are looking to prove themselves more in some uh, form or fashion for the NFL scouts, they're going to stick around and play more. It's not going to be because, man, I just really want to win a championship for my coach. Yeah, that's not going to be the concern for those first round guys. Yeah. A lot of people talking about the safety of the players, saying it's all about money. I mean, certainly money is a huge part of it, but we've seen the players that that do yeah. want to play. It's not just about money for them. I mean, there. I mean, there's opportunities. There's just a. This is what they're living for. So you can. It makes sense. Now you don't always want like 18 year old kids making these kind of decisions, but uh, you know, I wouldn't say that. A lot of people say they're being exploited. You can argue that, but they're guys that want to be there. Um, and we'll see about the. I'm trying to get a podcast guest coming up that can talk about some of the demands that the players made, like the one about you know having some kind of representation and could they unionize and things like that. So there's some interesting aspects of that going on. We'll try to address that uh, at a little bit later date. Looks like we're getting close to an hour. We don't want to go too long here. Any? Uh, I'll look for a couple of final questions, but any final thoughts you guys have? I mean, to your last point you made, Ryan, about the whole exploitation issue, the thing that people forget, and I think we saw pop up over the weekend, was that players still want to play. This is all they've ever known. And so if you're a college administrator, this is a really hard predicament to be in because you have your student-athlete body really clamoring to, to get on the field to do whatever their sport is, and yet you have uh, people from the outside saying it's not safe. Are you going to be the adult in the room, even though your medical advisors are telling you right now you can do this much? It's a hard position to be in where you have to handle everyone's interest. And at what point are you going to be the adult in the room? And I think we saw today the Pac-12 kind of put their foot down and was the adult in the room, despite players saying that they wanted to play. So it was a big 10, but it's just a, it's a hard position to be in. And I think exploitation is a little bit too simplistic of the, the situation that everyone's in right now. Um, so I, I think it's just much more complicated than people uh want to look at uh too soon for adult in the room comments keely it's uh <laughs> remember where those were used last time people don't like that oh sorry sorry forgot about that <laughs> too soon i don't connect the two in my head any any other thoughts shotgun 
Uh, no, but I got some rapid fire if you want to go with those. Oh, sure. Well, I want to put this. This kind of summarized my thoughts. Like, what a crappy fall without college sports. Yeah. Like, yeah. nobody wants it's anyone crappy. to be unsafe. And if people are rooting for the season, it's because they love it. You know, and, they, and, and the players love it. And the coaches love it. And the fans love it. Whatever decision gets made, it's just going to suck without college football. So we were hoping that it could happen. Uh, but it's not, at least in the Pac-12. Yeah. But yeah, we want to rapid fire a few and then we'll get out of here. Sure. Also, stop commenting political stuff in the comments. They're just going to delete it. Just letting everybody know. Yeah. Um, including O'Rick, who said at the very beginning, this is stupid 18-year-olds landing on Normandy Beach, beach knowing that half of them will be killed or wounded. They're healthy young men. Why? Just, just take dumb shit like that and just go somewhere else, please. <laughs> fighting against... Fighting against Hitler versus playing college football for the entertainment of people. So different. Seems a little different. Okay. Deal with those type of comments. Okay. Also, can I just jump in too? Because people were debating the science. If it wasn't, if, this, if someone could have figured out how to play without the NBA going to a very expensive bubble model, they would have already done it at the professional level. So there's yeah. something about the science that actually makes sense. So go ahead, Shogun. On to our actual rapid fire stuff. And yes, a bubble. <laughs> is the interesting thing. We've seen that that could work, and that's why I think that might be something that someone tries to, you know, an XFL or some other league tries to push to to get those guys like the Justin Fields or something to get give them an opportunity to showcase their skills and their potential um, uh, for NFL scouts as well. Maybe we see something like that in the fall. Who knows? But AKA Boone says, I think the COVID is a positive for recruiting. Recruits want to stay closer to home, plus SC has hype, and if they play – uh, if they play, then SC will be judged on how they play, not potential. Do you agree? Do you think that the COVID's been a positive for recruiting? And, and do you see more recruits potentially staying home because of what, what has transpired? I think it's helped. I think it's contributed. But it's really more been about the coaching staff that's adjusted yeah. and done a good job with it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it – not being able to travel – uh, and, and go visit other campuses. If you can drive to USC and not get on a plane and fly to Michigan, then yeah, I think that's an advantage. Yeah, especially now that you have families involved and usually if mom wants their, their little son, their little loved one to stay home, to stay closely, that's always a good pull for recruiting. Yeah. That'll definitely help. It will also see, would be interesting to see if some people, I've been home stuck with my family for six months. I want to go experience something here. else. That could also be a possibility, too. I'm going to get... Alaska. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> the um, anti-Brandon Peely. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> the reverse. Brandon yeah, Peely exactly. and Caden, uh, Caden Stephan, uh, who is also yeah. from uh, Alaska. William Lloyd, how about an exhibition game? USC-Notre Dame exhibition game at Thanksgiving or USC-UCLA? I mean, I threw this idea out yesterday that I know it's not logical, but – if uh, you know every team played their rival in a bubble environment and you know pay-per-viewed it, at least be fun. At least give us something for fall. Yeah, yeah. True. We had a recent one on YouTube uh, from Trojan alum. Do you think the NCAA will give players an extra year of eligibility? Um, so how that's going to work? I don't think it's going to work the way Shotgun explained the baseball stuff. I just don't think you could say, well, everyone gets an extra year if if. Fall if the you know season doesn't happen at all, and without raising the scholarship limit, I just don't think you can do that. Like USC is not in a bad spot because they don't have a lot of seniors and they didn't have a big class. But there's other people. You know, you lose 25 guys and you're bringing in 25 guys. Like, what do you do in those situations? I I think for football they would have to do something a little bit more drastic. 
I think they could potentially raise the limit. Now, how much they raise it, that could be a, a question, whether it's the number of seniors you have or something else. Um, there, there will be definitely questions there. But if there's no there's no season, I think they'll still give them an extra year of eligibility. Yeah. Um, how much of a burden of losing the football season is it going to affect other non-revenue generating sports at USC? We saw Stanford kill 11 programs. Now, I, I think those were they were on the chopping block already. This was sort of yeah. an excuse. There could be programs at every school that were like, well, we should probably cancel it. Well, we can't. Well, now you can. You got an excuse. Yeah, I would be worried about every revenue sport. I mean, every non-revenue sport uh, out there because football drives the bus. And uh, you know, a lot of people don't like to say that, but when it comes down to the the revenue, I think John Wilner went over you know, some of the data, and we talked about this before, it could be up to 75%. Keeley was saying at USC, it was even higher than that. Um, it's a lot of revenue generated from football that's not going to be there. And uh, I think on the, the Pac-12 call, they were talking about doing like, there's the revenue side and there's the expense side. So they're going to be cutting expenses. One of those expenses are sports that cost money that don't bring in anything. So I, I would, yeah, if there's some sports out there that maybe aren't as popular, that, that cost a bunch of money, they could be on the chopping block. And the thing that I don't think we're we're not going to see yet, but we're going to feel the ripple effects of this decision for years to come and how it affects not only college football, but athletic departments as a whole. And we're just at the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg right now. So it's going to be when you affect revenue this much, there's going to be more things to come. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's a great point to, to point out that this is going to be something that, that lingers for a while. You may see some FCS schools um, start cutting football, you know, because of Title IX. And depending on if you're you're getting some of those buy games and stuff, if you're not getting buy games that pays for the the football program, football programs lose a lot of money because of all the equipment and stuff a lot of times, and the travel and uh, housing people and everything. So you might see some lower level football teams disappear. Mm-hmm. But do a couple um, more shotgun, and I got yeah. one last one. Whenever you're done, but do a couple more, I guess. If the how about an, uh, uh, Randon Myrick, I think I believe is the name. How about an in-house bubble and televised scrimmages from each school, so players can show their ability on tape in the event that they aren't eligible next season. That's a that's, that's a very idea. interesting idea. As long as you can get to the point where you're okay with contact, as far mm-hmm. as staying in your own bubble, and you know everyone's tested. I, that's a that's a pretty good idea there, and something that you know that, that maybe some some schools might want to consider. I mean, you'd watch that, and that Pac-12 network would televise that for sure. No, they wouldn't. Great, and it'd be a great. <laughs> also, true. they should. They wouldn't. Also true. They'll they'll, they'll televise uh, portions of it like a spring game, a spring uh, showcase. Yeah. Mm. I know. I think that'd be great. I mean, USC's kind of created a bubble, but they're not in the contact portion yet. I I, I mean, we don't have data on this, but. My initial thoughts are just, we talked about this about before. I just don't think you're going to get enough viral load just playing a sport against somebody else. And, you know, even though there's contact, even though they're sweating, uh, I just feel like, you know, you come off the field, you wipe off or whatever. It, it's probably better than being around those people all the time in meeting rooms and things like that. I don't know. We'll see. But you still would have to do that in your internal scrimmage. So far, USC has been able to do some of these workouts without getting testing. So, it's sort of like a mini bubble. I don't know if you do a real bubble, but if you could do a mini bubble in their scrimmage or something, or like USC and UCLA could play each other, yeah, people would watch that. Pay-per-view, put it up there, whatever you want to do. And and the big thing with these things is the testing beforehand. That's one of the things that Ackerman from Oregon State said as well, is that 
one of the hopes is in the spring that the testing maybe you know you'll be able to get test results back quicker you know so that you have more accurate tests so maybe you can do something pre-game you know early in the day at 9 a.m you get tested and as long as you clear that you're ready to go by the you know the kickoff in the afternoon makes it a lot safer for the players than getting tested two days prior going to a hotel all those different variables that then factor in yeah uh, we talked about uh, a couple people have asked again about you know the potential of players uh, opting out. We talked about that earlier, so guys can catch the the replay on that. Chris said, "What what what happens with postseason games like bowl games, conference championship games, national title games? If some conferences continue to play and some postpone their season?" And I thought this was interesting because now that the Pac-12 and the Big uh, Ten are out, that's what is it? Twenty six teams, I believe it is. They're out, so now there's actually more teams that are potentially playing in the the uh, Power Five than there are spots. I mean, there, there's less teams playing than there yes. are spots in the bowl game. So there's yep. going to be a lot of openings. So, hey, maybe you'll see double bowl games. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, we, think, obviously we don't I know at this point. there will be some different conversations with that, uh, yeah. depending on how things play out in the next few weeks. Is that it? Are you? Um, I think there was one more key, a question for Keely. Oh. You've been around the – from Coley. You've been around the players. Do you feel there would be a uh, – I think it meant psychological effect for the players watching other teams play while they are forbidden to do so. Oh, without a doubt. I think that is an easy, of course. I mean, and that's something that um, I think Mike Bone has mentioned and I think Larry Skye has mentioned as well. There's a lot, there's a huge mental aspect to this where you've been training your whole life to play. I mean, just listening to, or just seeing the tweets. I mean, Jordan Iacefa was like, I'm a redshirt senior. I worked so hard with my knee injury to come back. And this is what I, I get, you know, and, and credit to the players. They were like, control what you can control, continue on, fight on, you know. But it's, of course, it's going to be a mental toll. I mean, it's a mental toll for me. And I just covered the team, let alone I don't even play, you know. So, of course, this is going to be hard for them. And, and of course, there needs to be something in, in place for the mental side of this because it's going to be hard not only to not play on your body and in that whole uh, situation, but for, mentally it's going to be really hard as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see psychological effects from this, uh, you know, the, the 12 months from March to next March for the next 10, 15, 20 years uh, on the, yeah. the nation as a whole. Uh, Trojan Love said, as a former player, I feel safer with my teammates and other players because we're taking the necessary steps to protect ourselves and our teammates. Normally I would agree with that, but then you have a situation like the Cleveland Indians where uh, Carrasco last year had leukemia, so he's obviously immunocompromised. And he has two teammates leave the hotel and go out to uh, two pitchers that he's in contact with all the time. And they've been sent home. So yeah, you would think your teammates would care for you, but sometimes people don't, especially more, <laughs> more so with 18 to 22 year olds. Yeah. And lastly, Ryan from Jasper, how does this affect our favorite show on earth? Tunnel vision. I've had that one. That was my last one. I pulled it up there. All right, Jasper, <laughs> hold on. Let me show you something since Keely's going to the matrix. Here I am. Here I am in the studio by myself. I hope someone soon will be sitting there, me, and someone there, and then Keely sitting here. But this this will not impact us. This will not impact us. We will continue to do the show. I think we got everything working. We're here for you. I mean, we want to talk about college football. That's what we're going to do. Um, there's no way we're going to stop doing it. USCfootball.com is going to roll on. Uh, we've been doing this since 96, and we're going to continue to do it. We've covered weird stuff throughout the USC football history. You know, just every story that's been like head scratcher. This one is right up there with all of them. But we will continue doing our stuff. We'll have analysis. We'll continue 
the Lunch with the Trojans series. We were going to get um, actually Craig Navar, the uh, USC safeties coach, was going to come on like probably today, but because everything that was uncertain, we've postponed that. So we'll we'll start that going back regular again. We'll do our shows regularly. We'll take your questions. We'll talk to you on the phone. So we'll keep doing all that stuff. And you know there'll be newsy things that are happening. They might continue workouts. We can maybe report on some of that. We'll you know recruiting stuff. We'll keep that going. So no, we're not. If the, I'm glad this is your favorite show, but we are not going anywhere. And lastly, I just got a, I just got a text comment that said oh. uh, at least Clay Helton can't have a losing record now this year. There's been a lot of like comments like he's undefeated, blah blah blah, and I just you know you feel bad for Clay Helton because this was an opportunity. This season was an opportunity that they had a really talented team, they had a really good schedule, and he could if he really did improve the coaching staff and was going to have a better team, he could have proved a lot of people wrong. Now he loses that opportunity. Now, maybe he would have maybe gone six and six and then we got run out of town. But, you know, there's there was an opportunity there. And if the season is canceled, canceled, I think USC in 2021 is not going to be as nearly as good of a team as 2020, you know? And uh, I, I think there was a window where he could try to get back into people's good graces. And it was 2020, you know, and you know, if that season's gone or even the shortened version of it, I'm not sure if you can win people back just by winning the PAC 12, like you needed to make that national statement. Now, if there's still a playoff and he could make the playoff and stuff, then I think he's got that opportunity, even though it's a shortened season or whatever, but losing 2020 guys, and we'll end on this is like, I think that's, that's going to be tough because that was a season that really was set up. All that senior talent, I mean, like, like some of that, those seniors that are, are, you know, been a big part of this team are going to be gone. Yeah, the the defensive guys that we talked about earlier, they're going to have a decision. I think Clay Helton's biggest recruiting job is going to be trying to keep some of those guys uh, participating if there is a spring season. And if not, I think that that's a, going to be a huge question mark for whenever the next season is. Is just the defense that USC puts on the field, particularly with not having any actual reps, you know, when you lose all those veteran guys. That was one of the things we're looking, we're excited to uh, see this season was how those veteran guys, in fact, you had five-star talent at each level in a new defense, how it would play. Now there's question marks about some of those guys being, able, being on the team when, whenever things do resume. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. off of, like, look at the thing, and I'll, I'm sorry, Keith, if you had a comment, but like, you're yeah. probably going to, you lose Malapai, Stephen Carr, uh, Tyler Vaughns, uh, you know, Cromenhoek, follow, probably Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, you, you know, Jimmins, probably Elijah Vera Tucker, Brandon Peely, probably Tuipolotu and Tefele. Um, you know, there's just Jordan Isefa, there's just, you know, there's just a lot of dudes that you could potentially leave, you know, that leaves or they're going to be seniors. And I, I just think it's not going to be as good of a team in, in 2021, uh, especially with the recruiting class that they brought in, it wasn't going to be didn't have a lot of difference makers in it. Now, I completely understand that, and I logically agree with that, but there's also a scenario where we're sitting here in less than a month saying, hey, guys, USC was blown out by Alabama, and there's a huge uh, uproar again for Clay Helton to be fired. So I, I see both things. I just I think him just missing the massive media uh, hot seat debate in 2020 helps him in general and and yes there's going to be roster issues but you're not having another another year of the head coach of your team being just lit ablaze by the media i think it, i think it helps to kind of skirt past that yeah 
And if there's no 2020 slash 2021 season, spring season, it's one last year of Keaton Slovis. That's true, too. That's big, yeah. Yeah, and it, just some of the momentum. And then you don't know, is does someone poach Graham Harrell? You know, does someone, you know, there's things like that. You could, he's a proven commodity now. And you wanted to see that, you know, year two explosion with all those receivers and stuff. And, you know, maybe that doesn't happen anymore. Who knows? Again, there's so many questions. If yeah. the NFL season ends and someone comes after Graham Harrell and Cliff Kingsbury's him and decides he's a head coach, in USC has a spring season. They got a new offensive coordinator now. Yeah, that could happen still. Like again, wow. so many questions brought up by by the decisions that were made today. So we're we're going to be back with Tunnel Vision. We're going to be discussing all those uh, in, in the future here. So thanks mm-hmm. thanks for uh, joining us, guys, and, and participating. And uh, look forward to having you guys in the future as well. We certainly do. Thanks everyone, and thank you guys for coming on in short notice. Um, you know, we had to do the emergency version of the Tunnel Vision. There was a is that probably first one of the year, right? Did we have any other emergencies? There's probably been more. I don't know. We just forget how many emergencies. We had one in March. Oh, yeah. When it first canceled. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. There was a kind of emergency stuff there, too. Um, all right. Keely, your shotgun spratling. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll have a regular show. Still planning on Sunday night at 7 p.m. We'll probably have more info by then. But thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.